Thanks for tuning in to Hungry Gen Audio Podcast. It would mean the world to us if you could help us spread the gospel message of Jesus by subscribing to, sharing, and leaving a review on this podcast. We are believing to see thousands saved locally and millions globally. Thanks and enjoy this week's message. So I'm going to speak on the topic, the two tests of stewardship. I hope you brought your notes with you because we're going to go through a lot of word today. So please take notes. This is important. This is very important. And I believe that the Holy Spirit has orchestrated this meeting because me and Adrian, we have not even spoken for a year. And he quoted exactly the same passage that I'm going to use today. So if we can go to that passage, it's in Matthew 25 verse 14 through 30. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and he earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. This is the passage. This is what the Word of God says. There are a couple lessons that we can learn from this passage. Well, first of all, when we read this passage, we see that God gave His resources to His servants. The important part here is that it's His resources. Everything in this universe, everything that you own, you don't even really own. Because everything belongs to God. He entrusted His resources, His talents to His servants. Now it also says that we have different talents. Somebody gets two, somebody gets five, somebody gets one. And we should not envy because somebody has more or less. And you should not be proud because you have more than somebody else. Now it also is important that the talents are given temporarily for a purpose of a wise stewardship. That you would use them, and we'll talk about that, and produce fruit. And then the last point that is very important about this passage is that the time will come when he's going to come back. And he'll look at me, he will look at you, and he'll look at our life and say, how did you use your talents? He will test you for the stewardship that you were entrusted. And that's how I want for you guys to have this journey with me for the next 30 minutes that we have. Let's look at our life through the lens of stewardship and I said there are two tests of stewardship the first one is going to be the direct interpretation of this passage it's something that is very straightforward it's test number one how do you use your finances oh boy you never thought that I'm going to come here and talk about finances but hey if you take this passage head on 
it talks about finances in the bible god there's more than 2300 passages in the bible about finances did you know that did you know that Jesus, most of his parables that Jesus used most, more than 50%, had an economic background to them? Think about it. More than half of the passages that use the parables that Jesus used had an economic background. So apparently God cares about how we get finances and how we use our finances. This is as biblical as it gets. Now, of course, we... The things that we're going to talk about, you know, I'm going to look through the principles in the Bible about finances. And I can say, hey guys, you should trust me because, well, I'm an economist and I am an economist. You can say, well, you know, I was listed as one of the best Ukrainian economists uh, by Forbes magazine in 2015. And this is true that I was listed in 2018 as the best young economist in the world. And that is also true. That I have a PhD in economics, and that's also true. By the way, PhD stands for permanent head damage. So, but let's, <laughs> let's avoid that part. Uh, but I'll tell you more importantly, you should trust not me or any other economist, but you should trust the Word of God. And we're going to look through the Word of God, through the lens of the Word of God, how God wants for us not to fail this test. Test number one about our finances, our, our stewardship of the finances. Now a very important piece that I want to say here, that the things that you're going to learn today, they're not going to make you automatically a millionaire. This is very important. James says that do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself, but do what it says. Dave Ramsey, he has a really interesting quote. He says that personal finances is 80% behavior and 20% head knowledge. So if you even get the knowledge, it doesn't mean that you're going to change your behavior. And I think you would all agree that today we don't have the lack of information. We have the lack of implementation. We hear a lot of stuff, but we do very little. And so if you want to do, if you want to really this word to change your life, you will need to go home and actually do what it says. So let's go to number one. Number one principle that the Bible tells us about our stewardship. And this number one principle is recorded in Proverbs 21 verse 5. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity talks about a plan having a plan now what does this mean well it means that you need to set realistic financial goals for your life and the younger the uh, you do this the more prosperous you're going to get in your life you have to figure out well what kind of house or an apartment would I would I like to live what kind of um, when would you when would I like to pay off my debt how much money would I need to at, at retirement? How much money would I want to leave to my children? You have to plan this. You cannot just, it doesn't just going to appear. You're not just going to become a millionaire. It's very important to set realistic goals and expectations, right? So here's an illustration about realism. You look at the cap, uh, at the cup and you say, well, I'm half full. That's an optimist, right? The pessimist says, well, I'm half empty. The realist looks at it and, well, it is what it is. 
So this is very important that even when we look through our life, that we realize, you know, what's realistic, okay? Amen? Not everybody is going to become a millionaire, and that's fine. You know, somebody got a one talent, and that's totally cool. Let's go to the next principle. The next principle is recorded in Luke chapter 14, verse 28-29. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, will laugh at you. Because you did not plan, because you did not have a budget. You did not sit down and you did not figure out, well, this is how much I have. This is how much I spend. This is how much money comes in every month. And this is how, money, how much money comes out every month. Even if you don't do this regularly, you can do this once a year. Sit down, look at all of your expenses, how much comes in, how much comes out. Now, you can do it in a different ways. So first of all, there is a more complicated way about going about budgeting. You know, you, it's called the David Ramsey's plan. You can go through, basically look through all, all of the uh, categories of expenses and income. And you kind of list everything in percentages and all of that. That's complicated. But you can do that. Another way that you can do is called the 50-30-20 rule. That's a fairly straightforward one. 50% you spend on your necessities, on your house, on your car, on your insurance, all of that stuff. 30% you spend on your wants. Things that are not necessary, but I want them. I want a new iPhone, I want a new thing, and so on and so forth. And then 20% you spend on saving and paying, repaying your debt. That's a very simple rule. And the last rule that is kind of my grandma, my grandpa, my mom and dad rule is called the envelope system. You actually have a physical envelope. You put money in different envelopes. You figure out, you know, this envelope is going to be used for giving. This envelope is going to be used for uh, your chocolate and ice cream. This envelope is going to be used for something else. I always made sure that the envelope of chocolate and ice cream was full. Um, and I also made sure that it was used by the end of the month because... Otherwise, it would not be uh, beneficial to me. So this is something that, again, we need to do. We are called by the Bible. This is a biblical principle. Guys, this is not some financial advising to you. This is a biblical principle. If you want to be wise steward, you need to do some budgeting in your life. The third thing, again, it comes, the principle directly from the Bible written in Ecclesiastes 11:12. It says, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. For you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. Man, isn't that a prophecy about today? Who thought that you're going to be sitting at home a lot of time and not being even able to make income? And Ecclesiastes, going thousands of years before, he said, look, who knows what disaster may come? It came and others will come. I mean, Jesus prophesied that things are wor worse things are yet to come. I mean, greater things are yet to come for the believers, but for this earth, even worse things are yet to come. So this is important that we diversify. And diversification is something that, you know, uh, today I, I looked, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys, I listed seven things, just didn't make it up. I actually took it from my own personal investment. My own personal life, I sat down and I said, well, let me check out how am I doing this? Do I even fit this seven or eight principle? And I do actually. 
first of all, I have money on my, in my checking account, which is kind of uh, things that I need to pay the bills and this and that and direct deposits and all of that. I have my savings account, and this is my kind of emergency fund. If anything were to happen, disaster were to come, I actually have some savings laid out. On top of that, I have my investments. So I don't just take money and put them in the bank, hoping that the bank is going to give me a nice payout. No, I invest in different things. I invest in stock market. I invest in different ventures. Exactly what Ecclesiastes said. Now, let me just give you one example. Some of you may think, ah, investment, this is so complicated. It's super straightforward. You go to your bank. You sit down with an advisor. They're going to give you that advisor. And you go through the investment plan for yourself. If you are right now, let's say, 25 years old, if you were to have a million, $100,000, now that's a lot of money, but let's say you have $100,000 and you put them in today into good investment. You find some, let's say, American fund, S&P 500, uh, NASDAQ, whatever you're going to invest. On average, S&P growing 10% a year for the past 50 years. So if you take that 10% cumulative interest rate, and you put $100,000 for 30 years till retirement. Do you know how much you're going to have? $2 million. $2 million. All of us can be millionaires. Now, of course, here's another example. If you put $10 every day into savings and invest that, that's kind of getting rid of your Starbucks habit. By the age of 30, you have $1 million saved. Little things, they matter. So the investment, then you have a pension fund, which again, it goes part into investment for a 1K. Uh, you can play and do a little bit with individual stocks. I would not advise too much with it, but at least some portions. So for example, I invested now in the American Airlines. In United, Delta, and American. Now I know they are right now historically low. So they fell three times in value. So, but if you believe that America will recover, which I do. Anybody believes? Yeah. Amen. We will recover. So it's going to go up three times. Maybe in a year, maybe in two. But I'm going to make a good money out of that. And again, I'm not going to bet a lot of my, uh, my money on it. But I will put a portion. A portion exactly what Ecclesiastes says. Now you can have a real estate. You can have your own business. All of these are the investments, are the diversification strategy. Is a wise stewardship that Bible calls us to. This is not again financial advising taken from, you know, Fidelity or somebody else. This is, I'm, took it, look at Ecclesiastes. Look what he says. And he says to do this. Next principle. You will like this one, hopefully. Pay off your debt. Proverbs 22 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to lender. Now, this is important to understand that there is a healthy type of debt and unhealthy type of debt. Now, for example, if you have a if you took a loan to get an education, that's an investment. If you took a loan to buy a house, that's an investment. If you took a loan to build a business, that's an investment. If you took a loan to invest, that's an investment. That's a good stuff. That kind of debt is justified. Now you still need to pay it, but at least it's justified. Now if you are taking money, it's in a healthy debt, to buy a new iPhone, to buy new furniture, 
Oh, it's interest-free. Yeah, but then you're going to pay for it. To buy new appliances, you don't have money, but hey, I can borrow it. Now that's what you should not be doing according to the Bible. This is unhealthy debt and this is something that make you a slave to somebody else. Now the better you learn how you deal with debt, the more gonna, God is going to actually entrust to you. And this is just a very simple straightforward economics 101 from the Bible. The next principle, and this is the last one, you will like this one. I think your church is really good at this. It's tie and give generously. Now why I know your church is doing well on this because I know how they've been treating me. I came here, I, they put me in such a nice hotel, I was shocked. I would have never put myself into that hotel. <laughs> and I mean, I was blessed beyond measure, guys. Thank you. I've been treated like royalty here. I'm going to be teaching in the Bible school here for the five, next five days. But man, I, can, <laughs> I came in into my room and there was a basket from Hungry Jan with a nice note with a five big bottles of water. I know it's because of five days of teaching. So I'll need that. But it was just so, it's, it was so, I mean, I called my wife right away and filmed everything and said, look how nice they treated me here. And I thank you guys. I thank you. The Bible teaches us that we should tie and the Bible teaches us that we should give generously. Now those are two different things, you know. When we tie, we show our level of trust and faith in God. Basically, what happens when we tie? What we did today, guys. You basically said, you know God, I have this security in my hand. I have my wallet and it gives me some security. Money does. But you know what? I trust more in you. And so I'm willing to give part of my security away to show my trust in you. This is exactly what we do. Do you think God needs our money? Of course not. We already said God is already magnificent. We cannot even magnify Him more than what He is. He already owns everything. So really it's about us. It's our heart, our attitude. Lord, when I give it to you, I put my faith, my trust in you. But again, there's another piece to this is that when we give to others, we show our love to others. You see, and that's why it also says it's a different story when we give to others. It's separately from your ties. And when you do that, you're showing that you love somebody else. You can say, well, how much should I give? I'm not going to give you a number. I'll tell you, you should do it generously, what the Bible says. But if you're going to say, well, you know, I don't know about this, this. Let me just give you a couple examples from the New Testament, okay? So one of them will be from Zacchaeus who said, you know what? I'm going to give half of the wealth to the poor when he repented. Another example from John the Baptist. He says, if you have two shirts, give one away. Wow. If you look at Jesus' teaching, he said we should love others like we love ourselves. 50-50. If you look at the life of Jesus himself, he gave everything for us. So I'm just saying that the generosity does not have a limit. And the more we give, the better stewards we are. 
So this is important for this church when we participate in giving. This is just an important mindset of a believer that we should have. And this is how we pass the test of stewardship with our finances. In the 10 minutes that I have left, I do want to talk about another test as important. And that's a different interpretation of this parable. And that's the interpretation of the talents. How do we use our talents? Because here, talents can be as a finances and talents can be as a gift that we have. And we already talked about it today. So each person has a talent. Let me show you this picture. Now somebody has a lot of talents. Somebody has very little. Now we get these talents, some of them we have passed on from our parents, from genetics, from DNA. But also there is spiritual gifts that God gives to every believer. Every believer, when you are a born-again Christian, according to Romans 12, 3, 8 and 1 Corinthians 2, 8, 11, it says that you get the spiritual gift. It's a prophecy, teaching, service, exhortation, generosity, leadership and goes on and on. So each of one gets at least one spiritual gift, if not more than that. Sure, maybe you don't have that, but you have something. I'll tell you more than that. When Jesus wanted to feed 5,000 people, what did he do? He told his disciples, guys, you feed them. While the disciples responded, we don't have anything. We have just a couple fish and bread here. This is all we have. And Jesus said, give me what you have and I'll multiply. You don't have to have much. You just have to have Jesus. And whatever talent you have, he's going to multiply, multiply and magnify it in your life. So again, this should not be tied to you, but it should be tied to God and how much God can do through you. So we have talents. The second thing that I want to say about the talents is that it's important to develop the talents that we have. You cannot just leave them hanging there. And the passage that we read from the beginning, it was saying, it was telling us that we should invest and we should multiply these talents. It's true financially with investments and it's true with our physical talents and abilities that we have in our life. We should get better at the things that God has entrusted us with. First Timothy 4, 14, 15 says, this Apostle Paul telling Timothy, do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying of the hands of the elders. Meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them that you, that your progress may be evident to all. There's a really interesting uh, case of a fish called koi. It's a Japanese fish. If you can have a picture here. This fish can grow to up to three feet, 36 inches. It's a huge fish. It can get pretty big. But it can also grow by a couple inches. It can be this much. How come one fish can get so different in size? It depends on the tank that you put that fish into. If you put that fish in a small tank, it's going to stay a couple inches. If you put this fish in a big tank, it's going to grow in the ocean. It's going to go, grow all the way to 36 inches. The same goes with our talents. If we take our talents and we put them somewhere and don't use them, they're going to stay what they are. 
But if you let them grow, they will multiply. And this is a biblical principle. Now, the last thing that I want to say today, again, it's about wise stewardship with our talents, is that we should use our talents to serve others. This is probably the most important revelation from today. It's written in 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve yourself. No, right? To serve others. So the gifts that we have received are to serve others. The talents that you have are for the others. Now think of this. When you, when you look at the tree that bears fruit, let's say an apple tree. Now what happens to the apples? Who gets them? The tree doesn't eat the apples, right? It's we who actually take from the tree and eat the apples. So the fruits are for others. God gave the talents not to benefit yourself, but to benefit others. Now, how can I use these talents? I mean, this is a completely different sermon. But if you think about there is a way that you can minister in the church. Very simple. You have talents that you can use in the church. Now, when you say, well, look, I come on Sunday service, you know, I read my Bible, I pray for my needs, and I'm serving God. That's for yourself, brother, sister. This is you doing for yourself. This is not service to God. You're reading the Word because you need to feed on it. You're praying for your needs because you need to, those needs to be answered. You go to the church not to die spiritually. That's all for you. But there is also a ministry that you can have in the church. When you step outside your comfort zone, when you go and you pray for others, when you preach, when you participate in the choir, when you teach in the Sunday school, when you take maintenance of the property, when you do other things for others. This is what I'm talking about. This is the ministry and every single person in this room has to be in that ministry. There's no exception. In the business, they have an 80-20 rule that 20% of people make 80% of the work. In the church, it's 100-100. Everybody does everything. And we do our part. And this is how we expand the kingdom of God. Now, there's also a ministry outside the church. When the Sunday service is done and we go outside and there is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. This is when we serve. And we serve the world. And Jesus, when He left this earth, He left two commandments or two things that He said. One in Mark and one in Matthew. He said, go and make disciples. Go and preach the gospel. Period. Those are the two things that Jesus left. The two things. Now imagine if you were to leave this earth today. It's your last moment. You're supposed to say the most important thing. Um, this was it. This was the most important thing for Jesus. These are the last words. He says, go into the whole the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. Bam! He's gone to be with the Father. And this is so important. And sometimes we forget about this. We forget that this is really why finances, why our talents are given to us. They are given for a purpose. Sometimes we have this 
priest and parish mentality. We think that there is Pope and he's supposed to preach. That there is Vlad and Eli and others who are supposed to preach. You know, and I'm just a taxi driver. Hey! The taxi driver can have more impact because he comes in contact with so many people daily than Pastor Vlad and Eli here. Yes, your mission field is different, but you have a mission field. And this is so important. If you work in a Starbucks, you have a mission field. If you go to school, you have a mission field. If you go to, to university, you have a mission field. If you're a plumber, you have a mission field. We all have a mission field. I want to leave you with this image in mind. You know this guy? What's his name? Clark, right? Ken Clark. He's a journalist. I mean, at least he looks like a journalist. You know, he puts on his glasses. He has a suit. But when the time comes, he rips off his shirt and he is a superman. That is you and me. I'm a superman. I go to university and I pretend to be an economics professor. But inside, I'm a superman. I'm a missionary. Undercover. I'm this CIA agent that just not everybody have yet realized this. And this is how we all are. We are these missionaries undercover where we at. God has given us so many things that we can use to advance His kingdom. Now I want to read a story in finishing. This is a story from Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. And this is a story about Jim Warren, about his father. If we can have some music background here. This is a powerful story. Every single time I'm not able to finish it because I start crying. So maybe I'll have an opportunity to do it today. In 1999, my father died of cancer. In his final week, the disease kept him in a semi-conscious state 24 hours a day. As he dreamed, he'd talk out loud. Sitting by his bedside, I learned a lot about my dad by just listening to his dreams. One night near the end, while my wife, my niece and I were by his side, Ted suddenly became very active and tried to get out of bed. Of course, he was too weak. So my wife insisted and, and, and he asked, and she asked him, Jimmy, what are you trying to do? And then he replied, I got to say one more for Jesus. I got to say one more for Jesus. And he repeated that phrase over and over. During the next hour, he probably repeated it a hundred times. I got to say one more for Jesus. And as I sat by his bed with tears flowing down my cheeks, I bowed my head to thank God for my dad's faith. At that moment, dad reached out and placed his frail hand on my head and said, as if commissioning me, save one more for Jesus. Save one more for Jesus. Now, brothers, sisters, I can assure you, 
Jim Warren has passed the stewardship test. He passed this test. I want for you to examine your own life. The state of your finances, because that's important to God. And the state of your talents and the gifts that God has given you. And ask your question, ask this question to yourself, how am I using what God has given to me? Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's message. If you like what you've heard, you can find more of this great content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, and even Pinterest. In other words, we would love to connect with you for the latest and greatest info on all conferences and internships. Remember, better is not good enough. The best is yet to come.